Hello, this is Aaron Bounds, pastor of the Anchor Church located in Zanesville, Ohio. I want to say thanks for tuning in today. I hope this podcast inspires you, encourages you, and helps you to live the life God called you to live. By the Lord, would you clap your hands and praise Him? Hallelujah! Hallelujah! Thank you, Jesus! says that he's given us a name and that it is a strong tower that the righteous can run into and be safe. How many believe that? And Psalms 27 says, there's one thing that I've desired of the Lord and that will I seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to behold the beauty of the Lord, to, in the, to inquire in his temple. Why? For in the time of trouble, he shall hide me in his pavilion. In the secret of his tabernacle shall he hide me. He shall lift my head up above my enemies. Can somebody say amen? Oh, we will offer in his house the sacrifices of praise and joy. I'm telling you, there's nothing like being in the presence of God. Because in your trouble, you can find a refuge separated from everything you're going through. And you can get direction and clarity and hope and say, not only am I coming out of this, God's given me direction to be healed and filled. I'm going to be better. That's the power of the name of Jesus. Amen. Praise God. Thank you. We want Sister, Sister Annie Brown to come. Annie, if you'll come at this time. This is a second part of our series on journey, journey through, through grief. And how many enjoyed what she had to say last week? Wasn't it so, so well? Amen. Amen. God bless you. You may be seated. I know, I know Sister Annie that I certainly enjoyed. And everything you had to say. And I have to say because, you know, our church loves you. Cindy and I love you very much. And you are normal. I know Brother Dave doesn't tell you that very often. <laughs> he's I'm my kidding. biggest fan. I know he's your biggest <laughs> fan. And we love Brother Dave Brown, don't we? What an amazing man, hardworking. And uh, I do want to say, any time we're doing anything around here working, they are involved. Uh, Brother Dave Brown and Brother Tucker Brown and uh, went and you put the foundation, put that flagpole out, out there. I think we ought to give them a hand for all the work they did. How many in the building have ever felt like you were crazy? I think we got almost 100% involvement. Our goal, our goal is that in these moments that you would feel, you know, I'm normal. Going through some things, but I'm normal. And, uh, and sometimes I've learned that in crisis, sometimes people can feel like they're the only one that's ever felt that way. How many of you have been in that situation? I'm the only one going through this. I'm the only one that's ever felt what I'm feeling. Come on, be honest with me. And uh, it's just not true. The Bible says there's nothing new under the sun. All things are common to man. And, uh, and our specific thing we're talking about tonight, uh, again, or this series, is, is going through grief, this journey through grief. Uh, talk to us about it tonight. Um, one of the first things you might feel um, when, when you've lost somebody, um, 
it, how do I live with this life-changing event? Um, how, how do I do it? How do I go on? What's it going to be like for me? Um, sometimes you feel like your pain is so intense that you feel like you're dying. You just want to curl up and die too. And some people, all they do in the beginning is cry. And it's, it's just so, so intense. Um, and you feel like you're losing your mind. You actually feel like you're losing your mind. I couldn't put thoughts together when my husband was killed. I just, I just couldn't put things together. Um, people don't understand why you don't return phone calls, why you don't want to go shopping. Um, they don't understand why you just don't want to do normal things. Um, and one of the other things that kind of comes at you was you're afraid that you will forget. You'll, you're afraid that you'll forget what his voice sounded like. And you're afraid you'll forget what, what she felt like. And it's just so, so intense. And the main big deal over it all, you just want your life back the way it was. Sure. You just want it back the way it was. And um, we said last week that all of that stuff is normal. All of that is, is very, very normal. Um, and if you've had a significant loss, we're not talking about the cat, and we're not talking about great uncle Herman, or we're not talking about the mailman's mother that lives in Australia. We're talking about a close and abiding sure. loss. Somebody close to you, Pastor. Yeah. And, um, it, and if you've had a close loss, you have felt any or all of, of those things, you know, um, because grief is reserved for those that we have loved. It's not, it, it's not a casual thing. Grief is not something that, that is casual. Um, and the closer the loss is to us, the more intense our grief is. That's, that sounds normal. Um, and after the death of a, of a loved one, it's normal to feel lost. It's normal to feel sad or upset. And don't be cranky with yourself if you're, if you're sad. Don't be cross with yourself if you're sad. Um, don't, don't try and man up and just push your way through and, and get a grip. And, and if somebody tells you, you just need to snap out of it, they've never walked it. They've never gone through it because people that have gone through it know that there's no snapping out of it because grief is a journey. You know, you, it's a journey. It's, it just takes a while. Um, and there's no right or wrong way to grieve. Um, it's, it's highly, highly individual. Um, everybody does their own type of grieving. There's no roadmaps. There's nothing. Um, there's no 10 steps to get, you know, on the other side of the pain. And, you know, I was thinking last night when I was kind of pulling everything together, um, I thought, you can YouTube anything. Did you know that? You can. I, I was amazed. You can, you can YouTube how to shoot a grizzly bear. <laughs> Who knew? I'm the one that made that video, by the way. <laughs> 
you can YouTube how to, how to get rid of gnats. It, seriously, you can YouTube anything. And that's about as far as I went because I thought, I don't want to go here. And so, what I, so then I punched in the 10 best ways to stop the pain when someone dies. And there wasn't one. There were, there were a lot of things that talked with the journey of grief, the process of grief, but there wasn't anything that said the 10 ways to shut off the pain because there, there's just no way to do that. There's no way, it's, it's a journey. In that, in that moment with you when this happened and you're talking about don't be cross with yourself and you're being grumpy and you're sad, there's, there's these things. Were you looking at that moment maybe wanting someone in your life that could understand what you were going through? Was there a part during that that you wished there was someone that could relate with what you feel? I think in some part of me there was, but remember, I was in my mid-30s, and none of my friends had experienced that. Mm. None of my friends, you know, and here I am sitting gray-headed. It's old people that die. You know, that's normal. That's, that is normal, that, that older folks die. It's, it's highly unusual in our realm for, for a child to precede us in death because that's not generally the way it happens. You know, it's the old folks that, you know, we're the ones that go. And so no, none of my friends knew. Uh, my own sister, who I am the closest to outside of my husband and my own children, my sister did not understand me because she went home to her family. And we were actually just talking about that today. She understands now because she's a widow. And she understands what I was going through, but not back then. Sure. So yeah, it would have been it would have been great. And I think I, I referenced last week there there weren't any programs back then. You know that was in 1990, and there just wasn't anything. And one of the things I do want to say too that there's no schedule to stick to when you're grieving. There's no um, there's no time frame. And when you think about it, our society as a whole gives us three days funeral leave and we're supposed to wrap it all up in three days you gotta be kidding you know there's that's not enough time hardly to to plan a funeral and bury someone let alone all the external things that have to be taken care of you know one of the things that stressed me the most uh, when Ron was killed was I went to the bank um, after he died people were very very kind to me and um, a lot of people gave me money. And I had a large amount of money, and I, um, I'll get into that another time, but I, I needed to put it in the bank. When I pulled up to the, the, the window, the lady knew. We lived in a small town. Everybody knew that Ron was killed the way he was killed. And um, she just said to me through the window, she said, oh, Annie, she said, you don't want to put your money in in your account because our account was a joint account and since then I think they've changed things but if I would have put it in that account I couldn't have drawn it back out 
because it was in both of our names. So she said, you need to come in and open an account in your name. And I looked at my mother and I said, they're taking him away from me one step at a time, one piece at a time. They're pulling him away from me. Because in my mind, early, early in grief, I was not ready to let go of that stuff yet. Sure. I wasn't sure. ready. Um, but there's no schedule, there's no time frame, there's no, um, this is the way we do it, we've gotta get it done in three days. Um, you, you can't wrap up business that quickly. It took me weeks and weeks and weeks to get things pulled back together. Um, and when you have a loss, Pastor, it takes about two years to fully process the loss because you've got, and I talked a little bit about it last week, you've got all this secondary stuff going on. You've got all these other, you know, how am I going to get the lawn mowed now? You know. Secondary losses. Yeah, secondary that. losses. And, um, you know, for, for some men, my husband included, you know, he wouldn't know how to do the checkbook, you know, or order his medicine. I do all that stuff. So it's the secondary losses that compound grief. It, they, it compounds grief. So even though it's been, you know, uh, uh, was there, I mean, maybe not was there because you were so young, but is there sometime this pressure that you feel to get over it, move on, people's, and I know we're going to deal with the comforters, which, is, which are the people that mean well but hurt your feelings and insult you, but is there a sometimes pressure, especially a person of faith, that, well, you ought to be over this by now. Yeah, There's there is. This, how, do you, how do you, I mean, uh, and I just want to say as a pastor and listening to scripture, blessed are those that mourn. Mm -hmm. You have to mourn or you won't be what? Be comforted. You won't be comforted. You've got, you've got mm -hmm. to mourn. You have to grieve. And if I'm hearing you, you're saying two years. Two, it, I mean, that's two years the process, yeah. and and I think some people, and I think she said it so well last time. Sometimes we in the church think we don't have to go through things because we're believers, we're filled with His Spirit, we've been washed in His blood, we're following the Lord, He's our great Comforter, and He is. Absolutely. But there's still, I do believe, uh, sometimes a false expectation that they can die today. And three months from now, I don't have to feel any pain of that. I, I don't think that's how God has put in us to love. It, it's is that, not. Is it's that not. right? You I can't mean, shut that stuff off. You can't just shut it you off. Know, you can't just shut it off. And, and uh, Dave often told me after his wife was killed, um, we had unusual circumstances. Our spouses were killed 10 weeks apart. And um, he knew from the first day what I was going through and I knew what he was going through and um, he he said Annie he said it was like I had all this love with nowhere to give it nothing to nothing to hook it onto now because she was gone and um, it it's so true you still have all this inside of you and we're human pastor we're human and Jesus knows me better than anybody, even better than Dave. And he, he knows all that emotional stuff that goes on inside of me. And he's not afraid of that in me. 
right. you know, he, he knows how to handle me and he knows how to come right in and comfort me and soothe me. But he also knows when I need to just let it all hang out, you know, get it all out of me. And um, so just, just, just to be clear, expecting yourself not to grieve would be like breaking your arm and expecting not to have pain. Mm -hmm. And I think, I think when we're dealing with emotions in the church, I, I think we have a misunderstanding about it sometimes. How many believe that's true? You know, when we're dealing with emotions, sometimes we, we act like uh, we make everything spirit or every emotional thing in our life, we make it spiritual because you can't touch emotion. But I'm telling you right now, I feel like in this room, there's some of you that are grieving. You have the pain in your life. But you know, I preached this Sunday. If you have pain in your life, it's a gift because you can feel. Mm -hmm. And if you can feel, you're alive. And if you can feel, you're alive. And guess what you're going to do? You're going to heal. Amen. I believe in this room, somebody ought to say to yourself, I am going to get through this. I'm going to be healed. God's going to help me. Can, can somebody say amen? It's a truth. Pray. It's dangerous to have a preacher up on this pulpit. <laughs> We'll start preaching here. Sister Annie. Okay, so um, there isn't a right way or a wrong way to grieve. We're individuals. So we're going to grieve. And what I might find relief in is not going to help you at all. But what you find relief in, I may think, what in the world? But everybody is individual. It's so individual. And I can't stress that enough. It is very, very individual. Um, and I hope I don't bore you with my own personal references. It's, it's my story and it's what I know best. Um, personally, um, I lost 40 pounds in three months and I didn't have an appetite. I, nothing appealed to me. My mother had to coax me, coax me to eat. Um, I just, I didn't want it. it nothing looked good. Um, I didn't realize at the time what I was really doing. I lost my income. I couldn't afford to replace my wardrobe. You know, it wasn't a, it wasn't, but I, I couldn't help it. Um, and I didn't have a very good sense of humor at the time either. Um, I was a little stressed and a little tight all the time. And my stepdad, bless his heart, all he wanted for me to do was kind of relax and laugh and stuff. And he gave me, we were standing in his living room, uh, and he gave me this little envelope and it had one of those little tie things on it. And it said rattlesnake eggs on it. And I thought, what in the world? And I un he said, go ahead and open it. And so I unwrapped it. Well, there was some kind of spinner thing on the inside of it. And when it did, it made a rattling thing like rattlesnake. And I threw that thing up in the air and I jumped back. It had the complete opposite effect of what he wanted. He wanted me to laugh. But it was not funny. I about fainted is what happened. But, you know, you, you just have different highs and lows. Um, a few weeks after Ron's death, I went to a street festival with my sister. And I didn't realize that it would be so crowded and um, I might get a little weird. And people just, just, I couldn't stand it. And I took off. Down, that, down the street at that festival, and she had to run to keep up with me. I just had to get out. I just had to get out. And um, one day, 
and I'm, I'm as sane as you guys are, I think. And I thought I saw him on the porch. I was coming home from work and I thought I saw him. And I had to actually turn my car around and go and make sure that it wasn't him that was there. I, I just had to, you know, and I, it, of course it wasn't. And when I took a good look at the guy, I thought, that's yeah, not nothing like Ron. But at the time I, I had to go back and check it out. But, and how you grieve depends on a lot of different factors, including your personality and your coping style. It, it depends on your life experiences. Somebody that's very sheltered has different ways of grieving than somebody that maybe has lost in the past. Um, your faith, you know, and your faith in God and your faith in people and your faith in yourself. It all, it all kind of goes together in the, in the process. Um, and how significant the loss was, you know, how close it was to you. Um, and everybody's grief is unique. Everybody's grief is, is unique. Um, and when we're in the process of grieving, sometimes we just muddle along. Sometimes you just muddle along. And one of the things for me, I know it's weird, but I took comfort in his blue jeans. And I, when I went to live with mom, I took five pair of his pants with me. And um, no shirts, no socks, nothing, just five pair of blue jeans. And my mother could tell what kind of day I had had by how many pairs of blue jeans I had stuck around me at night. If I had one or two, I had a really good day. If all five of them were tucked around me, she knew that I had had a really bad day. And I, I talked to my doctor about it. I did. I, I thought, you're losing your marbles. And he assured me that I wasn't. He, he said, you smell him on his, on his clothes. And eventually that will dissipate and you'll feel better about letting go of those things. And he was right. He was right. You know, his smell went away and pretty soon I didn't have the pants out. And it was a good thing. Um, so I, I, I'm telling you that it's okay to grieve in different ways. You know, what works for somebody is not going to work for somebody else. Um, what I will caution you is, again, in the drugs, the alcohol, and the prescription meds. Those are never ways to get through grief. It might feel like it. You know, you tie one on and... You know, you don't remember anything until you wake up the next day and you're, you're back into, the, into grief and it just prolongs everything. And prescription meds are the same way. You know, you, you just have to make your way through it. You just have to make your way through it. Um, and because the absence of my loved one will forever change the contours of my life, at first every thought can be painful. I couldn't have a thought about Ron um, without hurt and pain. I couldn't, we were married 18 and a half years, and I couldn't think of, of anything good. All I could think of was the pain. That's all I felt was the pain. And um, it, it, it's a journey, you know, it's a journey. And, and 
nobody's born walking. It's something that we learn as we grow. And grief is the same way. It's something that you learn as you go. And it's something that you doesn't come with a manual. I wish it did. It'd be a whole lot easier if we could just turn to page 267 and think, oh, there it is. But it's, it's not like that. Um, and one thing that I, I have to tell you, and if somebody tells it to you, they're a big fibber. Time is not a healer. Time does not heal, Brother Bounds. It just doesn't. It is a great buffer, you know, from, from the event to five months later. That time didn't heal you, but it put a great buffer between you and, and the loss. And, um, and if you're waiting for time to heal your wounds, you're going to wait a long time. And how many have heard that statement? Time, time heals all things, and it, it's not true. It's and not. I think the faster, uh, maybe that's the wrong way to say, but if you deal with the pain now, mm-hmm. don't delay it with substances and things, uh, would you say that it's best to go back and, I, I know with my own mother, it, it took her one year to go through um, my grandmother's cedar chest. Mm-hmm. And she couldn't do it alone. All of those keepsakes and all of those memories, she couldn't stand the thought of dealing with that. We'll talk a little bit more about that next week, um, dealing with the things that are left. Um, And I'll just say from the outset, you have to wait until you're strong enough. You have to wait until you're strong enough. And sometimes you need someone with you, and sometimes you don't. Some, it, it just depends on you and your personality and, and what you need. Um, my sister and I are still, my mom's been gone um, four years, and we're still sorting through pictures. Um, we're still sorting through pictures. Um, things we've kind of gone through, and, and, and my stepdad has said, do you want this or do you want that or, you know, whatever. But pictures because it was all, all of our childhood things. Sure. So uh, a lot of emotion with that. Um, but you know what? It's so important to move forward. Um, we don't go on vacation and just, like, go out and sit in the car. You start packing. You go out to the car. You get in the car. You start the car. You put it in gear, and you go. You don't just start a journey by standing still. You, you have to have a forward motion. Um, and in, in, the, in the grief journey, it doesn't have to be giant steps. It can be as simple as um, just doing the next thing. Sometimes that's so hard to even think of. Just do the next thing, whether it's get up and take a shower, whether it's pack the kids' lunch, um, whether it's write a grocery list. Just do the next thing. But I caution you, don't try and look too far into the future because you just can't think that far ahead yet. And you, you think, you know, what am I going to do if, and then you end up worrying about things that may or may not happen to us. You know, you spend a lot of energy worrying about things that aren't even real, aren't even there. Um, and I said last week, and it, and it bears repeating, the way you think and feel now is not the way you're going to always think and feel. 
It, it feels dark, it feels tight, it feels awful. But the way you feel right now is not the way you're always going to think and feel. And I said last week that that's where people get hung up a lot of times and where they want to just take it an out. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and they will consider hurting themselves and because the pain is so intense. But if you can just keep hanging on one foot in front of the other, just keep going, um, it does get better. It, it, I promise you. 31 years later, I'm telling you, it gets better. And you can laugh again, you'll have joy again, you'll, you'll want to live again, because there is life after death. There is. In the spiritual sense, of course, we know that. But even in the physical, there is life after death. It doesn't feel like it in the beginning. Sister Wendy, I know your pain is intense. Your, your pain is... is just so much, but it will get better. It will. It doesn't feel like it, but it will. And um, I have to tell you too, um, you have to allow the grieving process, and, and you've alluded to it a few times, that you can't just shut it down, you and it. you can't. And um, tears are very therapeutic. Um, I say it, and I, please don't misread me when I say it. Um, when I do a session, when I do grief share with people, um, I tell them, I'm not afraid of your tears. You know, your tears don't scare me. And it is because I don't, it's not that I'm callous to, to their feelings or I, you know, anything like that. It's that I want them to know it's okay. okay. It's okay to cry. And it's very, it's very healing, actually. It's, it's very healing. And I remember Dave telling me that after his wife was killed, that he literally laid across his bed and wailed, just let the emotion pour out of him. And that was healing for him. All those emotions that, you know, don't have anywhere to go. He just laid and, and wailed, not just cried, but just let it all out um, and it was his way of releasing some pent-up emotion and um, so it's not a sign of weakness and um, I'm not sexist but it is um, harder f for men sometimes to do that um, it is harder for them to do that um, but if you don't let that stuff out of you it can create physical ailments and a whole lot of mental stuff if you don't let that stuff, let it out. Um, and I'm not saying, you know, if, if, you know, that you're not normal if you don't cry. I'm not saying that at all. Um, but I, I, do think, I do think that right, emotions, if you were here Sunday, I preached about it a little bit. But emotions are a gift uh, to be able to feel something. Hebrews 4.12 says, talking about the Lord is our high priest. The Bible says, For we have not a high priest which cannot be touched with the feelings of our infirmities or our weaknesses, but was attempted at all points like as we are, yet without sin. He can be touched mm -hmm. with our what? Everybody say feelings. feelings. One of the biggest issues I see with people that are dealing with trauma, whether it's marriage, uh, whether it's a crisis of some sort or death, as I see the first thing that people want to do 
is to have no pain. Mm -hmm. And when you come to God numb, I was teaching a Bible study one time, and I'm just telling you, she was a zombie. Uh, she was falling asleep. Uh, she had had some trauma in her life. Week after week, I would go to teach a Bible study because I believe there's power in the Word of God. It's quick and powerful. How many believe that? And I'm going to tell you one of the best things is to hear the word of the Lord. It's, it, it'll build faith and hope. But I'm teaching a Bible study, and she's falling asleep. And uh, I realized she was medicated. And in that medication, she was numb. She couldn't process. She couldn't feel. And uh, to be able to feel pain also means to be able to feel hope. Right, right. But to turn off pain, to turn off any level of grief mm -hmm. or agonizing... As one, one valve, you reach up and you turn that and you turn it off. The Bible says that he is nigh to them that are of a broken heart. And he saveth such as be of a contrite spirit. He sees right where you are. And in those moments in your brokenness, that he, God is love. You've loved them to that closeness because they're a gift in your life. This has been a blessing and you've lost this and you're grieving because of how great they were in your life. And to try to shut that pain off is to be able to put a numbness toward God. You keep people at a distance. We can't keep God at a distance. I'm going to tell you right now, God wants us to be healed. God wants you to be healed. He wants you to be better. But we can't touch him if we can't feel him. We've got to touch him with our emotions. I, Sister Annie, I've... When I was a young, in college, I remember making this covenant with God. I said, one time I went to the Lord and I was so angry. And I was rarely ever angry. I still don't get mad too often, but I would only get upset like twice a year. I mean, I was pretty low key. And uh, um, had a, just, I don't know, but it's just my personality. But I was so angry one day, upset about something. I don't remember what it was. Man, I went to the Lord. And I prayed, I'm so mad. That's how I talked to the Lord. I didn't tell him I was mad at him because, you know, he's bigger than I am. And, uh, but I went to, I'm so upset. I'm, oh, I'm so frustrated. That's how I was praying. I'm just, and I'm just being real with God. And I realized, and man, there was a comfort. It was like a hand of the Lord came upon me and just calmed me right now. And there's been times I've been very sad. Uh, and there's been times, you know, we all had to grow up. I was bad. I needed to repent. And I got on the floor and repented. And I could feel. So I say when I'm mad, bad, glad, or sad. <laughs> Everything to God in. The old song says. But I take that to prayer. Mm -hmm. And I have found that prayer is a stabilizer. Right. That if gets too high, it brings me down. And if it gets too low, it brings me back to... We've got to learn to pray. Talk to God. I, Brother Terry Law preached a message here one time. He said, the only thing you've got to say to the Lord is complain. He said, go to the Lord and complain. But you go to the Lord. Amen. Look at your neighbor and say, you need to go to the Lord. And can we just settle something here tonight? You don't, have to, you, don't, you don't have to prove yourself and be fancy to get God's attention. Right. At your brokenness, he's leaning down to help. And you know who he helps? He helps them that ask him. And you can go to the Lord and say, I'm broken. How many's ever reasoned with God? I'm, I know I'm taking a moment here. But the Bible says in, in Isaiah 1 and 18, 
The scripture says, the Lord said, come, let us reason together. And you can go to the Lord and talk to him the way you would your best friend and say, God, I, I've got trouble going on in my life. Some of you think you've got to go through all kinds and you've got you to speak to the Lord in the King James Version. I say unto thee, almighty God, as thou hast said unto me, you know, and we think we've got to speak Hebrew or Greek. I'm going to tell you right now what gets God's attention. It's just being real. You, you, you take off your pretty wrapper and just get real with God. Right, right. I'm hurting. I'm alone. I don't know what my next step is. I don't know if I can go on one more day. I miss her. I miss him. I don't understand why. Uh, we were also taught to never ask God questions when I was growing up. I mean, I was a 12-year-old boy. My stepped on two nails, took a piece of bacteria into my bone, turned my bone black. It, it, it looked good on the outside, but I was literally dying. My bone, my bone was decaying on the inside. I was hurting on the inside. And somebody walked in my room and said, whatever you do, boy, don't question God. I was 12. Now, I, I, was great. I was raised with great respect for people. But when they walked out of the room, wow! <laughs> That's exactly what I did. I wasn't being disrespectful. I don't even rem remember who told me that. It was like, don't question God. I wasn't questioning that God did this. I just wanted to know why I was in so much pain. Mm -hmm. Every heartbeat that would come on, it would come on worse. The throbbing of that would come on worse. And, and you know what? When Jesus was dying at the cross... You know what he said? Why? Death always brings questions. Why? They were too young. We have more time. Than, why? I'm going to tell you one I've heard a lot. Why just before the holidays? Now on the birthday. Now every, and there's all kinds of questions. And you will haunt yourself with questions. But I'm going to tell you, you can go to the Lord and say, why? I, and you're not always going to get the answer you want. But go to the Lord you know why? Because when you come to him broken, he's nigh unto that. And when he comes to you, you're going to feel something the doctor can't hand you. Right, right. You're going to feel something that alcohol can't give you. Right. That appeal or a substance or a friend. You know what it is? It's the peace of God. And how many know he is the prince yes, of peace? Yes, yes. He's the prince of peace. Yes, yes, yes. He's my help in the time of trouble. He's the rock in the weary land. Oh, he's the lily of the valley. He's the bright morning star. He's the hope when I'm hopeless. He's the strength when I'm weak. How many, how many are glad to know him? Oh, you can have him tonight. I know she's going to keep talking here in a minute, but I feel like preaching to you for a second. You can have him. He's not way off somewhere else. He's right there. He's as close as the mention of his name. And sometimes the only thing you can say is Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. But how many know when you say Jesus, he's coming? Amen, he's coming. I think we ought to praise him. We have him to go to. We have him to go to. Jesus, amen. You're gonna have to stop me from preaching. Well, let's, let's, talk, let's just talk just a little bit about um, comforters. Um, and I know you all know and have heard of Job's comforters. Those guys were knuckleheads. 
They just didn't get it. They didn't. Is that, yes. bad? Is that bad? Is that bad? I think knucklehead's probably appropriate. Okay. <laughs> they did not get it. They didn't understand. Um, because it's hard to describe pain associated with death. It's hard to try and explain to somebody how that feels. Think about this. Okay. You've never, you've come here from some third world country and you've never, ever had a chocolate milkshake. Ever. Never. And I'm going to tell him, I'm going to tell him what a chocolate milkshake tastes like. And I'm going to say, it's cold. It's cold. Um, it's smooth. It's liquid. And it can give you a headache. And it tastes like chocolate, but he's not, he doesn't know what that is. So many things that you try to say about this chocolate milkshake, and he's not going to get it because he's never had it. And that is like trying to explain to somebody what you're going through when someone dies. They don't get it. If they don't understand, and, and my, my, one of the things I love, to those that do not know the pain of it, no explanation is possible. To those that do, none is necessary. If you know, you know. And if you don't know, you don't know. You just don't have a clue. And Job's comforters did not have a clue. They, they did not understand what he was going through. Not, and I'm not saying just with the loss of his possessions. And I mean, the guy was rich, you know, and he lost a lot of stuff. Yes. But his kids, ten, ten kids at one time, he, he lost them all. And they had not the first clue, calling him a sinner and saying, you know, there's got to be something inside of you or, you know, whatever. People that don't know cannot even begin to know. So unless they've experienced themselves, they can't really even try to begin to give words of comfort. They, they can't really. But people mean well. They really do. They, they see you, your pain. They see you hurting. They just want to help you. They just want to help. And because they, because they want to help, sometimes this goes before this goes. And you'll say something that ends up being ridiculous when you think it through. And um, it often hurts us. And uh, again, you know, from a personal reference, one of the things that they said to me after my husband was killed, will you still have Ronnie? Ronnie was 16. What was he supposed to do for me? You know, he was not income. He was not health insurance. He was not a comforter at night. He was not my husband. You know, what, what was he supposed to do? Um, and a, and a, a woman, and when I say this, it's going to be a collective gasp from all of you. A woman in my grief share curriculum shares 
that she had lost her two-year-old son to drowning. He, he, they were in a group, and he just got missed somehow, and he drowned. And somebody came through and told her that at least you won't have to potty train him. I told you. I told you. I heard it. Isn't that... She, she goes on to say that she had to talk to that lady, and she had to forgive her for what was said in ignorance. And sometimes we just say things. Um, somebody told me recently uh, that one of the things that hurt them was that God needed another flower in heaven, and God needed him. And it's like, you think I didn't need him? She said that to me. Did they think I didn't need him? You just say the wrong thing. And um, my sister um, said the thing that hurt her the most was when people would say, and we say it, we say it, I'm so sorry for your loss. And she said, Annie, I didn't lose him. If I would have lost him, I would have went and got him. You know, I, I didn't lose him. But so we need to be careful in our trying to help. We don't always help. We don't, we don't always help. Let's, let's stop there for a minute because many of you in this room have never dealt with tragic loss, but you're here because it's Bible study week and you're faithful. There's people watching online that wish they could be here tonight as well. Um, but I would say that we as a friend, a brother, a, a parent, somewhere in life you might not be the one dealing with the tragedy, but you could be the one that's being the comforter. And I think this is a moment we talk about this. What do you say? What do you not say? She's telling us what not to say. What do you say? And uh, maybe I'm praying for you. There is, you know, I'm here for you. If, if there's anything I can do for you. That sounds really empty when you're standing there and every six people in front of you have said, if there's anything I can do. But let me tell you, that's, that's a good thing to say. That's, you know, if there's anything to do, I'm praying for you. I'm so sorry. You know, just things like that not specific, especially if you don't know the person very well. If, you, if you're not sure, you know, Aunt Sally's brother, you know, it, don't say, don't try and comfort, just say, I'm, I'm so sorry, you know. And, you know, if it's your best friend's mother, throw your arms around that gal and say, come here, you know, and, and really express to her, but just just be careful. And let me tell you one other thing to be careful of. Scriptures are not pain relievers, Pastor, especially to non-Christians. So be careful how you use scriptures to people. I'll give you an example. Someone loses a child, and you say, well, all things, Romans 8, 28 says, well, all things work together for the good of them that love the Lord and who are the called according to his purpose. That's a big one. I've heard that so many times. And you're looking at a parent and telling them that all things are going to work for the good to them that love the Lord. How is good coming out of the loss of my child? And, and you mean well, 
we believe that God's hand is on our life and can help us. But to use that at that moment could be out of context and certainly not received. Mm -hmm. We mean well sometimes. And uh, I'll never forget, and I use this in this moment, but uh, I've, I've alluded to it, told it before. I'll never forget staying in Mark Williams' home. His wife of 30 years had passed away. Three-year-old boy, Andy, is in the house. And after a period of time, we sat down and started talking. And because I was staying there preaching a revival for his brother-in-law. And he had also lost his dad a few years before. But when his dad died, a man walked up to his mother and said, You're being selfish. You need to let him go. Uh, That makes no sense. That didn't help her. didn't help anybody. And it just made himself look ignorant. And he was trying to maybe push the process faster. Maybe it was somebody, but it didn't help anything by by saying that. But I'll never forget that he said, and I've tried to apply this to my life, because as a pastor, guess what I am? I'm a comforter. You as a, 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 a brother, a sister, a husband, a spouse, whatever you are, a friend, you are a saint of God, you're what? Everybody say, I am a comforter. I am a comforter. Don't be Job's comforter. I think you said knucklehead. I think I did. But, <laughs> and I, how many ever been in those moments? You didn't know what to say. Can I say to you, you don't have to say anything. Mark Williams told me, he said, the greatest comfort I got in that time, he said, when I stood at the casket of my wife, And I looked back, and there was a man that I've known for years who had been widowed. And he said, he never came to the casket. He said, but he never left the building. He said, my greatest strength came from someone that never said anything, but they were there. And he said, I knew if he could get through it, I'm going to get through this. And, uh, you know, that's our hope in Jesus is because he overcame the world. Right. And when we see somebody that's been through something and they're there, and I want to say to all the saints, when someone's personal family member dies, it's great to go to that viewing. If you can go to that funeral, sometimes midday funerals, it's hard to go. But if you can go and stop by, it is a strength to see your face. How many know that is so true? Yes, yes, yes. And don't think, well, they wouldn't know. Go. If they're a member of the church, go as often as you can and be a blessing. Uh, Just a couple of more things. Um, And let me... Um, gear this to, and I'm not, please don't misread me again, I'm not picking out anybody, but when we're grieving um, ourself, um, I just have a couple sentences to say, sometimes hurting people hurt people. When you're hurting, you don't always guard what you say to people, and so we hurt so badly that we don't always guard what we say to people. And um, things like, you could never understand what I'm going through, or you just don't know. You, you, you have no idea. Um, it, it's true. It's true. But it's unfair to make people walk on eggshells around you and, and make, make everybody uncomfortable because of, of your loss. Um, and when you're in the throes of grief, don't use others as a lightning rod for your anger and your frustration because you're so messed up in your mind, you just let it all fly. Um, it's, 
you know, you just need to be careful of those things. Um, you just need to be careful of those things. Um, people understand that you're grieving, but you know you don't have to be ugly about it. Um, so just be careful of those couple things. And I'll leave you with, with two more thoughts. Um, faith does not guarantee good feelings, and it does not isolate us from tragedy. Because we're Christians, because we love God, it's not going to isolate us from things that come against us. But it's going to help us through it. It's going to help us. It, faith does sustain us in our loss. And I have a little saying, when the dust of my sorrow settles, God is standing there next to me. And he has dust on his shoulders as well because he's been there all along. He didn't leave you. He didn't forsake you. He didn't let you deal with this all by yourself. He's been there all the time. And the, the last thing I, I have in here is the sovereignty, and I had to look that up. The supreme power or the authority of God can be hard to accept, but it is a soft place to land. It is what you can hold on to when you do not understand. I don't understand the mind of God, but I trust him. When you, when you can't see, you trust. Amen. Let's give her a hand. Didn't she bless us tonight? <laughs> Praise God. And we do believe you can heal. We, we really do. And I believe God is bringing a healing over your life. And let's pray together. Let's pray together. Lord, I pray over these amazing people that are watching this right now. Or God that are attending in this service. We have talked scripture. Been transparent. But Lord, there's people in this room and watching that need healing and a touch of your spirit. God, I pray that you're going to move in a mighty way in their life. And that they can feel you again. And they can feel your presence with them to get them through this. Some of them are dealing with things because of other people's decisions that have affected them. But God, they need your help right now. For you are the lifter of our head. Why don't we lift our head and clap our hands and thank God. Amen. He's a good God. I'm coming out stronger, going to be better. I really am. Let's leave on this thought, and then we'll be dismissed. But Job made this statement in the midst of his loss. He said, I looked in front of me, and I couldn't find God. I looked behind me, and I couldn't find God. Left and right, where's God? You know, sometimes we can't find God. Why? Because God is what? He's perfect. Everybody say he's perfect. And when your life becomes imperfect, we assume he's gone. Because how can my imp these imperfections be in, the, my, in my world if God is perfect and supposed to be in my world? But then on the other side, out of his grief and pain, he somehow dug down into faith and he made this statement. 
Yet though the skin worms devour this body, yet in my flesh I will see God. Why? He said, because I know my Redeemer liveth. I'm making statements in pain, but I know he's alive and he's bringing me out. Amen. Let's all stand. He's bringing me out. I'm not going to be bitter. I am going to be better. Going to be stronger. I want you to look at two or three people and tell them you are going to get better. Amen. Amen. Praise God. God bless you. We're glad you're here. This coming Sunday, come in being prayerful. We're believing for a great service this weekend. God bless you in Jesus' name. Thanks again for listening to the Anchor Church Podcast. If you enjoyed it, make sure you subscribe so you can keep up on our weekly sermons. If you're in the Zanesville area, we invite you to join us on Sundays. You can find all the details on our website at theanchor.church. Again, thanks so much for listening, and we hope to see you soon.